we appreciate you uh, lending your ears to us. Why don't you please sit on down, enjoy some tea and cookies with us. Uh, you have myself, Sheree Phillips Keaton, along with me, as always, the co-star of the Full Contact podcast, Nick Sapina. Nick, how are you feeling this afternoon? Sharif, I'm feeling downright sensational because we are recording this on Wednesday, December 23rd, two days before Christmas, my favorite holiday. Hard for me to knock it in the Christmas spirit, Sharif. Yesterday I watched uh, the original Home Alone with Macaulay Culkin, where you know he's rocking around the Christmas tree, pulling all the uh, the um, like giant Michael Jordan. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but like the life sized cardboard cutout, messing with the uh, the wet bandits, if you will. Um, and then last night I capped it off with a little bit of the Grinch, the Jim Carrey version. And man, I'm just in, I'm in the holiday mood, so I'm feeling great. How about yourself? Uh, I definitely feel that. And yeah, I'm feeling the holiday spirit. It's uh, cold enough for winter. My body recognizes that. Um, Also, because it's winter, that means we're eventually going to get football on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And even though we will not have basketball tomorrow, Friday will be basketball the entire day. It's just great, man. I mean, we've been waiting for uh, the NBA to start on Christmas for the longest time, and it's finally happened, unfortunately, due to some dire circumstances. But you know what? We got to make the best of what we got. And in light of uh, that theme, we have a jam-packed show for you. Uh, first, we'll talk about the NBA opening night. Yesterday, we saw a blowout and then a close win. So you kind of saw the best of both worlds when it comes to the NBA. And then we'll also talk about the uh, Pro Bowl rosters for the AFC and NFC in the NFL. You know, highlight, I guess you would say, notable names on each rosters. And then me and Nick will get into our takeaways as far as, like, was anyone snubbed? Who are we happy for? What's going on? Stuff like that. Um, But before we get into all that, it's obviously time for our patented quick hitter segment. So, Nick, why don't you take it away? All right, you got it, Sharif. Now, it's time for this week's edition of Quick Hitters. All right, so Adam Silver acknowledged the possibility of an NBA expansion, which led to a lot of NBA fans and Seattle fans even uh, thinking about the possibility of the Seattle Supersonics making a comeback. So that is something to keep your eye on if you're an NBA fan. Uh, Major League Baseball payrolls tumbled nearly $2.5 billion with a B in 2020. So Bad look for the MLB right there. And Shreve, let's spend a couple seconds on this one because I know that this is something that you uh, feel strongly about, and that is Josh Gordon's return to the field for the Seattle Seahawks is in limbo currently uh, because the league found that the uh, talented but troubled wide receiver did not satisfy the reinstatement terms, uh, and he has been struggling with his uh, drug abuse once again. So. Sharif, why don't we dive into that a little bit, uh, and I'll let you start there. So I just wanted to go into this a little bit, and this is, I know, contrary to when I say I want to talk about something, I'm not trying to bag on Josh Gordon for whoever's listening to me right now. Um, I just, I'm disappointed. Um, You know, everything seemed like it was, I mean, I feel like this has been a a recurring theme for uh, Josh Gordon. Everything seems like he's on the straight and narrow to come back. There's a setback. And obviously, now this is not an 
holistic medicine or an addiction podcast. So we're not going to go in depth, but obviously addiction, the worst part of it is that you deal with it for the rest of your life. It's just taking it a day at a time. But I assume, at least from the reports, that the setback in his recovery is that he violated the terms of his conditional reinstatement by substance abuse. Now that hasn't been reported directly that that's the, what the setback was, but all we know is that um, he has not satisfied the terms of his conditional agreement, uh, conditional reinstatement rather. So he is ineligible to practice or play in games for the time being. Uh, yeah, I'm just disappointed, Nick. I just, I just hate seeing this. And I mean, we even talked about it in our group chats. Like I want to be happy for Josh Gordon, but at some point it's like, you got to help yourself. You know, yeah, and I think that disappointed is a good word, though. I'm I'm just going to spin it a little bit differently. I'm not disappointed in him. I'm just disappointed that we are here because, you know, we have rooted for Josh Gordon, and I say we as in you and I, but really the majority of the football community, the NFL fans, have rooted for Josh Gordon for years. He's been one of the more easy guys to pull for, uh, understanding that. He, you know, him being vulnerable and open about his struggle with addiction uh, makes him a little bit more relatable to, you know, your everyday person. You know, everybody you know has had somebody who has dealt with this. And here is a guy who is, you know, he's in a position where you think like, all right, he has no reason to struggle addiction. And it's just kind of, it's kind of a testament to the fact that it can, it can really hit anybody. But, you know, obviously he's a guy that so many people have rooted for, myself included, and I want to see him on the field. I want to see him out there dominating like he showed when he last played, or well, when he played for Cleveland, but even in spurts when he played for uh, the Patriots or, you know, other teams, you just want to see him out there balling because when when he is right, there is no one better than Josh Gordon, and it's been a long time since we've seen that, but we all kind of hope that he gets back to that point at some point. Right. And like I said, it's not to bag on Josh Gordon or, you know, me saying that he's a terrible person or anything like that. It is just disappointing because I mean, we haven't seen Josh Gordon consistently on the field since what? 2012, 2013. Cause his, I believe his first suspension was the 2013 season. So he's been suspended six times since then. And this is his fifth suspension for some form of substance abuse. I mean, it is just, you know, I guess, like you said, the best word is disappointing. Um, But I agree with you. Hopefully he gets it turned around uh, soon enough. And hopefully his conditional reinstatement can stay in place so we can see him play some type of NFL football in 2020. Uh, Moving on to NBA opening night, uh, there were only two games, but they both had some interesting storylines. First, we'll go into uh, the game where the Brooklyn Nets hosted the Golden State Warriors and proceeded to beat them 125 to 99. Nick, uh, what were your takeaways from this game? Well, my my first one when I was watching, and I watched about the first three quarters because I felt like that's where uh, the New York or the Brooklyn Nets, sorry, kind of separated themselves. But my very first reaction, I had to I had to key in on Kevin Durant, and um, 
where I'm going to start is he didn't look explosive like he did pre-injury, right? But I wouldn't say that explosion was ever what made Kevin Durant so great. It was his length and his ability to find any shot at any at any part of the court. And that that looked, I mean, exactly the same, exactly like Kevin Durant. And he only played, I believe, 25 minutes, and he put up uh, 22 points. He looked efficient. He was in rhythm. And he said himself that uh, he didn't feel like he was going to be at 100% uh, NBA shape, uh, basketball playing shape for probably like 10, 15, 20 games or so. So I think you saw some of the rust in terms of the physical attributes that you're used to seeing from Kevin Durant. But overall, he looked great. Now, from a game standpoint, uh, I was disappointed in the Golden State Warriors, and not because I really expected them to win this game, because obviously they've dealt with their own injuries, and you think about Clay Thompson. And obviously, he means a ton to them. I just expected that with healthy Curry, uh, I uh, the addition of James Wiseman, I felt like they would be more competitive in this game. And I think that it really all speaks to really the quality of player that Clay Thompson is, and how big a difference he makes on both the offensive end and the defensive end. Obviously, he stretches defenses because of his ability to hit the three-point shot, but he's added more in terms of his ability to drive in recent years. So not having him uh, really, really reared its ugly head. And we knew that that was going to be an issue, right? Like We know how good Clay Thompson is. I think that we kind of forgot a little bit because last year when Steph Curry got hurt and Clay Thompson obviously missed, the guy who got all of the notoriety was Steph Curry. And obviously he's the superstar there, right? But I think a lot of people expected that when Steph Curry comes back, Golden State is going to look more like themselves because, you know, he's Steph Curry. And if there's one person who kind of embodies Golden State, it's him. But you really saw how big uh, an impact or lack of an impact it has when Clay Thompson's not out there. I agree. Um, my biggest takeaway from the game was that the Nets, and this is probably, you know, not something bold, but it's pretty obvious. The Brooklyn Nets are going to be a problem in the Eastern Conference. Um, I believe when I last checked, the Nets were the, I'm not sure if they were the betting favorite to come out of the Eastern Conference to make it to the NBA Finals, but they were either one or two with the Milwaukee Bucks. So we knew, and you know, odds makers knew they would be a problem. But just when you saw what they did last night, and it was a you know less than one hundred percent go to State Warriors team because uh, Clay Thompson missed because of his Achilles injury, and Dray- Draymond Green missed uh, because of I think it was some type of foot issue, if I'm not mistaken. Um, now, Steph Curry, you know, I think he played well given the circumstances because he was really the only guy on the Warriors that the Nets defense feared. So uh, Curry putting up 20 points and 10 assists, I think, is pretty good given those circumstances. Um, it was a little disappointing to see uh, guys like Andrew Wiggins and Kelly Oubre uh, shoot as poorly as they did. Wiggins was four for 16 from the field and Kelly Oubre was three for 14, but it was good to see James Wiseman uh, in his first game uh, of his rookie career 
or I guess of his career in the NBA, put up 19 points and six rebounds. When you consider that he really hasn't been able to participate in training camp or even workouts because of the COVID-19 protocols in NBA. And yesterday, he became the third youngest Golden State Warriors player to start a game behind Andres Biedrens and Anthony Randolph. So that's also, you know, something notable. And then on the other side, it was good to see Kevin Durant look like his old self, as you said. Uh, Kyrie Irving looked like his old self. And obviously the Nets just got deeper because now Karis LeVert is coming off the bench. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, the Jared Allen, the guys that made it work last season and took the team to the playoffs. So it was disappointing that the game wasn't closer, but I think it was to be expected given the Golden State's injuries and obviously the Brooklyn Nets being 100% healthy. Hey, Sharif, I was just thinking because whenever I think about the Brooklyn Nets, I think a little bit about um, Kyrie Irving. And he's kind of a divisive, divisive, however you want to say that word, figure in basketball. And I, I just couldn't help but think about, and I'm not sure if you heard Charles Bar- uh, Charles Barkley's comments on Kyrie Irving. And I just wanted to know like, what you thought about it. Or we don't even have to go there if you feel like that's uh, not totally uh, fit for this kind of podcast. Um, well, just, I mean, I, I kind of tuned in and out. Um, what specific comments... As far as what Bark was that about the superstar treatment? No, no, it was more like Kyrie Irving recently uh, made a statement where he was displeased about talking to the media. Oh uh, yeah, and uh, Charles Barkley, can you hear me? Okay, all right. Charles Barkley kind of said something to the effect of, "Man, can you just like stop trying to be like the smartest person in the room all the time and like." You know, talk to the media like we're normal people. Something to that effect. Um, It's obviously not totally basketball related, but Kyrie Irving has made a little bit of a reputation as, I don't know, someone who, he has some different beliefs, I'll say that. Um, I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on that. Oh, okay. On those... uh... Those comments, I 100% agree with Charles Barkley. I know Stephen A. Smith and, you know, Max Kellerman, pretty much anyone in the media that's on TV has scolded Kyrie Irving because, one, the thing with Kyrie Irving is he is, and two things can be true, he's a good guy and he's, he's a jerk for, you know, just to be, you know, use a better word than the one I want to use because, okay, you don't want to talk to the media because you feel like your message will be twisted into something you did not intend it to be. Okay. That's fine. You know, the media, all they really have to do is ask you questions. They don't have to say, and it's not like you recording them. And then you could be like, Hey, you know, you said this cause you know, that's the media's job. But when it comes to Kyrie Irving, the only reason you can get paid close to $40 million or like $35 million a year, whatever it is, is because the media covers the NBA. It's a partnership. And I just think when he says stuff like, I don't talk to pawns, we move differently over here, all this stuff, like 
you're biting the hand that feeds you because I mean, it would never happen, but let's just say there was ever a situation where the media felt like there's no reason to pay attention to the NBA. You're taking a massive pay cut and maybe that's fine for him because all he wants to do is play basketball, but I'm sorry. The only reason you're getting paid what you're getting paid is because you play basketball and because the media cares about every word that you say. Now you don't have to talk to the media. You don't have to, but you're going to get fined. And then he makes comments about him getting fined for something he knows he's going to get fined if he doesn't do. So I'm done with Kyrie Irving, like with him talking. If I was the, if I guess if I was like the man behind the scenes and controlled the media as a conglomerate, I would just say, yo, don't ever talk to Kyrie Irving again. I don't want to hear what he has to say anything now obviously if he wants to talk about social issues sure anything with basketball don't talk to him because he he just he sounds like a spoiled kid and doesn't understand just how lucky he is to play a kid's game but he's getting paid handsomely for it and he deserves it he's a great player and like i said he's also a great person but sometimes he just needs to shut up and I mean, just just answer just answer the question or say no comment. But all this other stuff that he's trying to be, you know, philosophical and in trying to be intelligent, it's just not working. He looks stupider the more he talks. Yeah, you know, I I read up a little bit on this and I was kind of seeing some of Twitter's reaction. And, you know, there's obviously some people who are gonna defend Kyrie Irving tooth and nail, and they're like, oh. So now Charles Barkley is telling Kyrie Irving to shut up and dribble. I'm like, all right, all right, look, the right. the sentiment there, like I, I know a lot of people, um, and I'm not really trying to point fingers, but when LeBron James stood up and you know said some things with regards to social justice, uh, there were some people in the media, in news, who essentially did tell LeBron James that you know he's an athlete and he just, he, he doesn't have a place to have political opinions and you know whatever wherever you stand on that it is what it is the one thing i'll say is charles barkley telling kyrie irving like yo man just kind of relax a little bit take take a step back and what happened with lebron james are two totally different uh messages you know i think that charles barkley is kind of pleading to kyrie irving to like you know help us out a little bit like give us something when we talk to you so that we can actually have some kind of mutual beneficial relationship, you know? And uh, yeah, sometimes Kyrie Irving does rub the media the wrong way because some of his takes are just a little bit, a little bit outlandish. Definitely. And they, they raise an eyebrow. Right. And, and my, and this is my last thought on Kyrie is just like, you know, he's a great person. He's a great player. You know, some people, uh, or I, I, I guess the vibe I get is some people made fun of him because he was burning sage in during the preseason game against the Celtics. Um, but it's to pay, uh, you know, pay homage to his uh, Native American heritage. I believe it's Native American. So I mean, you know, like he, it's not to say Kyrie shouldn't talk because he's not smart enough to do so. I just think he. It's like Charles Barkley said. When somebody tries to be the smartest person in the room, instead of just being the smartest person, you can tell the difference. And when they try to be the smartest person in the room, they sound like Kyrie Irving. 
they sound misguided. They sound spoiled. They sound delusional. And that's what he sounds like sometimes. Now, I'm not saying, you know, he can ever learn from his transgressions, but it's just like, you just sound stupid. And he's not stupid, so he should just try to work on that. And if that means he has to stop talking, then, you know, give it a break for a while. Let Kevin Durant talk. Because at least Kevin Durant doesn't try to sound like you. So, um, with that being said, uh, the nightcap from last night was the good old Lakers hosting, or I say hosting, but they share the same arena, hosting the Los Angeles Clippers. The Clippers defeated the Lakers 116 to 109. And this was actually a pretty exciting game, not necessarily from start to finish, because um, the beginning was a little rough, but. After the first quarter, things pretty much got testy, and it was great basketball. Nick, what did you? What were your takeaways from last night's Lakers Clippers game? Well, I think it was a statement. You know, a lot of hype was made about the Los Angeles Lakers and all the moves that they made in uh, the off season. And honestly, I was, you know, I was right there with them. And I still think that they made pretty much all the right moves that they needed to. And I think they're a stronger team, at least on paper than they were last season, which is saying a lot. Obviously, they won the championship. So the Clippers, who, you know, there's an obvious rivalry there between the Lakers and the Clippers. Clippers kind of took all that. They made some adjustments to their head coach. Obviously, they got rid of Doc Rivers. They have Ty Lue now, who has pretty much said, like, it's not going to be that vastly different of an offense. But be that as it may. Uh, it was a statement by the Clippers to kind of say, like, look, we're still here. We're still legit. We have Kawhi Leonard, arguably. I mean, you could make the case that he's the best player in the NBA. If not the best, you know, he's one of the top five. Uh, Paul George, who is kind of like a complimentary superstar. Um, and this was just a nice win for them. Um, now, I would say the biggest statement here would be from Paul George, who uh, he caught a lot of flack, and rightfully so, because he hasn't always played uh, well down the stretch of games, uh, especially big games. Had He shot 13 of 18 from the floor, and he had 33 points. He was a plus 17 on the night. So in a game against a rival, one of the best teams in basketball, if not the best team in basketball, the LA Lakers, good game from Paul George, great game from the Clippers. I was just really happy for them. Definitely. It was a good showing by the Clippers. Um, they they had a sizable lead in the first quarter. Um, I think it got to somewhere between 10 to 20 points, actually 22 points. Um, and Paul George did his thing, you know, Kawhi Leonard, the usual suspects as we like to use on our fancy football version of our podcast. It was good to see George and Leonard do their usual production. Uh, Zubac uh, played well. Patrick Beverly was out there being a pest on the defensive end and getting timely uh, baskets on offense, as he usually does. Now, they did not have Marcus Morris last night, I believe, because of an injury. I don't know if it was like a back injury or something. Um, Other than that, uh, it was pretty much the game I expected, even though, you know, there were some worries towards the end when LeBron James uh, twisted his ankle. But he says that he's fine and he will be ready to go for when the Lakers play again on Christmas Day. And Anthony Davis had an 
underwhelming performance. I mean, both guys had an underwhelming performance, but you know, they are fresh off a championship and this was the quickest off season in any professional sports history. I believe it was exactly 71 days from when the Sixers or I'm sorry, the Lakers beat the Miami Heat in game six of the NBA Finals or game five, something like that. But overall, it was an exciting game to watch. The Lakers were awarded their ring, their rings before the game. You know, so congratulations to the Warriors for being the 2020 NBA champions. They also said they were going to wait until they could have fans for them to actually unveil the banner that's going to accompany their championship, which I thought was a classy move. Yeah. Um, did you hear uh, LeBron James and what his treatment is going to be for um, for his ankle? Uh, I did see he said something about uh, drinking some wine and it'll flow straight to his ankle or something like that. Yeah, I loved it. It, it was a it was a good LeBron James quote. If, if you've paid any attention to LeBron, he's he's good for some of them, but he pretty much said like, "I'm gonna go home, drink some wine, and hope it sits right in my ankle. That'll do the trick." So <laughs> no worries about LeBron James. I, I hope to hear more of those quotes. I love him. I think it was also funny because I the specific quote, quotes was he said, "I'm going to drink the wine on my left side." So yeah. that the wine will flow straight to the right side of my body and hopefully stay in my ankle. I was like, oh, man, that sounds so specific. I'm pretty sure that's not how it works. But you know what? He was convincing. <laughs> I mean, if, if LeBron says it, I might buy it. Like <laughs> LeBron, he says carry some weight. So I, I, I might try it. True. I mean, the guy spends over a million dollars a year on his body and – that's why he's been so durable and so productive in his 18th season. I believe he's 36 now. So, you know, all props to LeBron. Obviously, uh, the Lakers are the favorite to win the title this year. I believe followed by the Nets in the odds or followed by the Clippers somewhere in that order. Um, so I'm sure the Lakers are well on their way to a second championship. With our last topic of the day, we are going to cover the 2020, or I'm sorry, the 2021 NFL Pro Bowl rosters. Uh, for those of you who have not been able to see the list, uh, it's a pretty sizable list. So we'll put it this way. We'll just name the starters, uh, offense and defense of both conferences, and uh, Nick will give us uh, his takeaways for the AFC uh, Patrick Mahomes, Derrick Henry, Tyreek Hill, Stefan Diggs, Travis Kelsey. And this is just the name of a few. Obviously, there are more guys, but this is just the name of the starters. Patrick Ricard, Laramie Tunso, Eric Fisher, Orlando Brown, Quentin Nelson, uh, Joel Petonio. And on defense, Miles Garrett, Joey Bosa, Chris Jones, Cameron Hayward, TJ Watt, Bradley Chubb, Darius Leonard, Xavier Howard, Tredavious White, Minka Fitzpatrick. Uh, and the specialists, uh, Morgan Cox, Jake Bailey, Justin Tucker, Andre Roberts. In the NFC, and this is, again, going from offense to defense, Aaron Rodgers, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, TJ Hawkinson, Kyle Juszczyk, David Bakhtiari, Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf, Elkton Jenkins, Jason Kelsey, and then on defense, Cameron Jordan, 
Aaron Donald, Fletcher Cox, Khalil Mack, Zadarius Smith, Bobby Wagner, Jalen Ramsey, Jair Alexander, Quandre Diggs, Buda Baker, and then the specialist, Tyler Ott, uh, Jack Fox, Youngway Koo, and Cordell Patterson, and Nick Ballor. Those are your starters for the respective AFC and NFC conferences by position, offense, and defense. And that was a lot. So I'm gonna let Nick talk. Nick, what did you what were your takeaways from these Pro Bowl rosters? Well, I mean, my first takeaway, and it always needs to be mentioned every time you talk about the Pro Bowl rosters, is fans get things wrong sometimes. Like fans are biased, right? Like you're always gonna root for uh, or you're always going to vote for the guys that you like who you're who are on your team. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all the players always get the correct representation. Like, I think about DeForest Buckner for the Colts. I'm like, man, how did he not get in? Or how did James Robinson? And I don't know if you saw, but like Chris Thompson, who has made the move to Jacksonville, and he kind of shares that backfield there, even though he doesn't see the field a lot for uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was on Twitter kind of ringing the bell for beating the drum for James Robinson. And it's like, man, how does James Robinson, a guy who really has come in and dominated at the running back position, not get a Pro Bowl nod? And um, even though, for the most part, I would say the Pro Bowl votes get it right, there's always a few guys who just don't make it. And you're like, man, how like I'm looking at the list and Evan Ingram is a pro bowler for the NFC, but um, Robert Tanyan, Tanyan, however you appropriately say it isn't. And I'm like, man, that's just, oh, that's just disrespectful. Um, unfortunately, the the really disappointing thing here is that, some players have Pro Bowl incentives in their contracts, and the current system for you know voting players into the Pro Bowl doesn't quite do it justice, and some players miss out on money because they weren't voted in when they really should have been, and that's just a shame. But for the most part, I'm looking at I'm looking up and down the list, and I think that the fans basically got it right. Yeah, there were definitely some snubs. And in any time, there's some type of voting process or just any type of award structure. There are going to be more guys that qualify than there are spots. And that's just the case in any sport. Um, And we actually have talked about this in fantasy football. Ryan Tannehill did not make the Pro Bowl roster. And I thought that was surprising because I think the past three or four weeks, have been his best games this season, possibly, of his career. Like, we just saw him have a four-touchdown, four-total-touchdown game uh, against the Colts, I believe, or was it the Lions? I'm not sure what team it was. But either way, and granted, the AFC is hard to crack because, obviously, it was Patrick Mahomes, uh, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, and maybe you could look and say, was Tannehill better than any of those guys? It's debatable. But Ryan Tannehill was right there. Obviously, you said with James Robinson. Um, it's it's disappointing. Obviously, you look at like Evan Ingram and you're like, did he really play like a pro bowler? No, but we always talk about how the tight end position is just that's how bad it 
is is someone like Evan Ingram can make the Pro Bowl. But obviously there were, you know, uh, when you think about it, Travis Kelsey uh, in AFC, uh, George Kittles in NFC, but he was hurt most of the year. Um, it's it's disappointing. And even more to that point, because I'm actually just looking it over again. Um, Actually, no. I see here Justin Jefferson made it, which is cool. Um, But then you look on the other side, someone like Trey Hedrickson, who is second in the league with 12 and a half sacks, tied with Aaron Donald on one of the best teams in the league, not just the NFC, and he didn't make it, but Cameron Jordan did, who has basically half the amount of sacks. Now, obviously, playing D-line, isn't always just about how many sacks you get. But, I mean, I saw Trey Hendrickson against the Chiefs, and he demolishes whoever is trying to block him. So it's just, like you said, it's unfortunate to see some guys get snubbed. Um, but I just thought, especially a James Robinson one, where I'm just like, you got he's been like one of the best running backs, not just in the uh, AFC, in the league. So... And he's third in the league in rushing. So I was just like, you know, what do you do there? Yeah, um, it's definitely disappointing for some, for guys like those. And like Chris Thompson was saying on Twitter, it's like when you think about it more personally, like those are life-changing decisions. You know what I mean? For, for a player like James Robinson who was undrafted, like that could be a serious life-changing thing if he was added to that Pro Bowl. But uh, alas... This is what it is, and I would say that for the most part, it's a pretty darn good list. Um, Sharif, on a slightly unrelated note, I just saw something that one of our friends, uh, Trevor Bowden, just put into our group chat, and apparently, Juju Smith-Schuster came out and said that for the betterment of myself and my teammates, I'm going to stop dancing on the logos. And if you followed the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know that in recent weeks, they've kind of gone down the tube. So uh, Juju Smith-Schuster had been recording TikTok videos dancing on the opponent's logos. So this is actually kind of oddly big news coming out of Pittsburgh. Yeah, it was a long time coming because, I mean, I get it. We're in, we've been in the social media age for a few years now, maybe 10 to 15. And Juju is one of the younger receivers in the league. I believe he's 24, 25. So he's probably one of those guys that lives on social media. Obviously, he's, you know, during his job is trying to dance for TikTok. And I have no problems with guys being on social media. But as we always said, and we've said this for, as long as time itself, you got to be willing to back it up. The problem is Juju and the Steelers have not been able to back that up for the past three weeks or at least the past three games. And I mean, it's good that he'll stop. I just feel like it should have stopped a while ago, but you know, better late than never. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, So I I just want to get back to, the Pro Bowl real quick, because that was kind of where we were leaving off. Um, Sharif, we have two weeks left of the NFL regular season. So heading into week 16, 
who is your NFL MVP right now, and who's close? So I'll take it in reverse order. So first I'll say who is in contention for NFL MVP. Um, And I think that would be guys like Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers. Um, To a lesser degree, I would say, you know, someone like Russell Wilson, even though he's tailed off as of late. Um, And I think someone who's made a late season surge is Josh Allen. So let's put it this way. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, not in any particular order, who I think who I would make my MVP right now is Patrick Mahomes. I just think you can't get away from the fact they've only lost one game. Patrick Mahomes, I mean, you look at the metrics across the board. I think aside from total touchdowns, he pretty much leads the quarterbacks in every other category. Um, and his offense is the best in the league. His team has the best record. I mean, that would be my pick for MVP. Yeah, so first of all, I'll just say I'm 100% in agreement with the four players that you picked to be in the conversation. I think that if I had to rank them, I would probably at this point have Russell Wilson probably fourth, Josh Allen third, but I'm going to differ with you at one and two. I think that right now I'm going to give Aaron Rodgers the nod. Now, I I agree that Patrick Mahomes is like right there. It's just that I think that when the NFL makes these decisions and you know the people vote, there is sort of a sentimental aspect to it where Rodgers is a little bit well, not a little bit. Rodgers is older, right? Like his NFL career is closer to the end than it is the start. And Patrick Mahomes is obviously much closer to the start. And I think that people would generally like to see Rodgers get one more MVP in him before he retires. And this might be his last real shot. He's got the numbers to do it. Um, and, he, you know, the main thing where he really separates himself is the touchdowns and the interceptions. Like, that's always been Aaron Rodgers' bread and, Aaron Rodgers bread and butter. Um, so he is pretty much leading the best team in the NFC at this point. I mean, you could say maybe the uh, saints, but I think that right now I'll go Aaron Rodgers, and then it's close Patrick Mahomes, then Josh Allen, then Russell Wilson. Right. And I think, you know, it's, you know, you can go about it either way. And I mean, one and two this it's almost like really one a and one B to me because both Mahomes and Rodgers have had incredible seasons basically identical records and their offense is obviously near the tops of the league. Um, now this is interesting. I've just pulled up some uh, betting odds on, and this is on oddshark.com. So I'm not sure which uh, uh, sports book they're pulling this from. Uh, okay. It says at Bovada. Never heard of that one before, but this is just to give you a Patrick Mahomes is currently the favorite, and then it's followed by Aaron Rodgers, Josh Allen, and it's actually I it's actually interesting. Derrick Henry has better odds than Russell Wilson, so that just tells you how much uh, Russell Wilson has tailed off in terms of his perception in the public. So, but yeah, like I said, my MVP would be Patrick Mahomes, but 
if Aaron Rodgers won it, I think it would still be deserving and the right choice if that's if that makes sense. Yeah. But man, wow, what about Derrick Henry there? I, I mean I, I don't have an argument against Derrick Henry. Like he's been that valuable if you take that approach to the MVP definition. Uh he's been that valuable to the Tennessee Titans. But man, I, I didn't I didn't actually imagine he would be seriously in contention there. Yeah, it's definitely been gaining some steam, and rightfully so. I mean, we just saw the game he had. I think it was like 20, 21 carries for 147 yards and one touchdown. And I think he only needs to – I mean, I say only, but he has to average, I think, 162 yards rushing the next two games to get to, to make it to 2,000. Um, and we know winter is Derrick Henry's season. It's not NFL season. It's just Derrick Henry season. We're all just living in it. Um, so yeah, it was actually it's good to see him though. I'm glad he's getting the recognition. I think it's more or less just impressive he's even that high because he won't win. But right. I think it's just it's undue credit that he's getting that his his odds are that high. So uh, that does it for. Uh, this week's edition of the Full Contact Podcast. We appreciate everyone uh, for listening. Uh, the next time you can listen to uh, Nick and I will be next Tuesday when we cover week 16 of the uh, NFL season. And hopefully all of you who are listening to us and listen to our advice will be making out of your leagues as champions. But before we get to that, uh, Nick, do you have any uh parting words for our listeners well i mean first of all i always got to give my shameless plug to follow us on all of our social media accounts at full contact pod and that's twitter instagram you know what have you but i would say even more importantly this week whatever you're doing like make sure that you enjoy the holidays whatever you celebrate i don't i don't really care i we don't judge but make sure that you have some time to spend it with family, even extended family. If you're doing it via Zoom, uh, you know, give each other a call. Make sure that you, everybody knows that you are keeping in touch. So just take this time to spend time with the ones you love and uh, enjoy it because, you know, the holidays only come around once a year. So got to make the most of it when they're here. Agreed. Uh, appreciate that, Nick. Uh, for me, yeah, just enjoy the holidays um, because after New Year's, I think the next holiday we get is like presents there. So um, just keep that in mind. But as Nick said, and I just wanted to second that, yeah, just spend this time with the ones you love. This has been a rough year for everyone in the world. But um, with, you know, the vaccines being administered, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel and we made it there together. So also thank you. For listening to us. We appreciate all of your uh, attention. Like Nick said, with our uh, social media, hopefully we can get some of your feedback and interact with you because, you know, that's what we want to do. We want to make this a community and something that lasts uh, for a long time, if we're lucky. Uh, For Nick Sapina, I am Sharif Rose Keaton. You have been listening to the Full Contact Podcast. We will see you next week. Until then, good night and good luck.